0: If you would, uh, Ephesians chapter four. I'm going to put us on the fast track here. Uh, this is the third week in our series. We're going to receive communion today. Everyone is welcome. You don't have to be a member of the church. You just need to be a believer to know the Lord and uh, to be saved. Is what the Bible says, and I'll talk about that at the end. Um, you can receive a communion and. Um, so the third week, and I want to talk, trying to get into, I'm going to get, as quickly as I can, do some stuff, recap really quick, the gift of prophecy, uh, the gift of prophecy. And uh, we said that, so this is the third week in our series. Uh, this is one of the uh, seven uh, motivational gifts that God has given uh, innate to all people. All people, I believe that. Ephesians 4.8 says, "Is when Jesus ascended on high... He led captivity captive, and he gave gifts. Some shout gifts. Gifts to his people. So he is given gifts. Our text was Romans 12, 6 through 8, and it talks about since we have these gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, the Bible says that we're to use them accordingly. To use them accordingly. If someone has the gift of prophecy, let him speak new message from God to his people in proportion to the faith. Possess of service in the act of serving. He who teaches in the act of teaching or he who encourages in the act of encouragement. He who gives with generosity, who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy in caring for others with cheerfulness. Can you say amen? And we this verse, verse uh, uh, let's see, First Peter 4, if you can help me here. There we go. Uh, maybe, let's see. Yes, next one, <clears throat> that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve. Some shout serve. And I looked that up and I thought, you know, what does it mean by serve? You know, bring some clarity to that. And a serve actually literally means active service. And watch this. It actually has the connotation of kicking up dust because you're on the move. That's a different take on serving. It isn't just passive. It's kicking up dust because you're on the move. What needs to be done next? What is the Lord showing us next? How can I jump in? How can I serve? Amen? And so the Romans 12 gifts, uh, we, we've listed them last week. We're going to try to hit this one here this morning and delve into prophecy. But these are listed in Romans 12. And we said the purpose of the spiritual gifts, I think the chiefest use of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit is to bring men and women to salvation by faith. So I want you to get that in the forefront of your mind. It's helping other people to know the Lord, to succeed in life. Um, And I said this last week, that's a fire that never burns out. That's a well that'll never run dry. It's a passion that you can chase for your entire life and get nothing but joy because you're pouring in to other people. You know, the thing at the end of your life that really matters is not what you built, how much money you have in the bank. Come on, somebody. It Really, what matters is how you pour it into the life of others. I, I've been at the, the 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 bedside of many that have passed from this earth, and they're not talking about, hey, you know, by the way, I need to get this or that, and I need to... No, they're they're thinking about their family. They're thinking about maybe that wayward son of doll or daughter or grandparent or mom and dad and relationships and... And did, did my life matter? Friends, you're hearing a message this morning. This is key for your life to matter, serving others. Th- serving others. If you if you will grab a hold of that, if you approach life and say, you know what, life isn't about me, what I want, God will bless you. Why will he bless you? he bless you so you can be a blessing to others. And we live in 5% of the population of the world globally, but we have 95% of the wealth. I look at that as I'm a debtor, I owe, be able to live in America. I think when it comes time and, and the people stand before the Lord and, and, and the angels like, Lord, he was from India, or this young woman was from Sri Lanka, or this was from Japan or whatever, and these nations, Calcutta, India, and they lived in abject poverty. And then someone from America, the angel's going to say, they're from America. They're from a very affluent, wealthy country compared to the world. I feel the Lord's going to say, what did you do with your life with such ability? Amen. Got awfully quiet in here. The baby singing praises to God. That's right. That's right. That's what he was saying. She was saying. Sorry. (laughs) Amen. So let's continue. Ephesians 4, 7. Ephesians 4, yet God, yet grace, God's undeserved favor was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in a different way in proportion to the measure. Somebody shall measure of Christ's rich and abundant gift. So every single one of us has a gift. You may have a number of these gifts. God's desire is that you flow in all of them. Did you hear that? But there's gonna be a predominantly, you'll have a bend towards one. You say, you know what? Mine is just, it's just mercy, and how can I help bless someone, and that care and compassion, and that love, and, and others would be, you know, flowing and in, in, in different different uh, different callings in that. But the measure, you all have a measure. So my question is, what are you doing with your measure? What are you doing with your measure? I, I, I didn't even know. I think the video went out with the link, Angie Ellis, on doing the spiritual gift testing. It's a, so I, I want to now, as a pastor, see how successful I was with that that email that went out Ask for a show of hands. Who's actually done the test? Okay, hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's just a simple test. There's, there's literally dozens of tests out there, but I don't want to say tests, assessments to help locate. That's not to pigeonhole you. And no, it's just to help you discover, hey, based upon these questions, this is what's in my heart. This is what I like, I like to do. How many with me? Say amen. So so that's why God has given you a measure and you got to activate it. I said, you have to activate it. You have to stir that up. Now, I'm here to help pump you up, to get you excited, and to go and help direct you, help equip you, but it's, it's really on you. It's really on you. And here's the thing. It's really also on spiritual leaders, too. I, I believe this. They need to recognize the gifts and callings of the people to help equip them and raise them up. You know, it's been said that, oh, Harvest, yes, Church of the Harvest, that's that church that it's an equipping church. What other church should be called? What is it? an end times church, an eschatology church, a rapture church? No, an equipping church. <clears throat> That's what we're called to, to equip the believers. Well, what if the rapture happens? I'm out of here. <laughs> Amen? <clears throat> I hope you are too. But our focus and our passion, uh, my wife and I here, is, is that we equip and stir up the believers in their ministry. You know, the order of business in Christ's leadership in this church is very serious. God takes this very serious, and after the, uh, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, Jesus speaking to the apostles, and he ascends in a cloud. They're looking up, and the angels go, you know, why are you looking up into heaven? The same Jesus that ascended <clears throat> will descend, and he will come back at the right time. And so they went into the, to the upper room there, and they were kind of in a holy huddle, but the first order of business was Judas killed himself. We know the story. Went out and hung himself. He betrayed his office, it says, his apostleship. And so what they did is they prayed and, and actually they drew straws and Matthias was chosen as the 12th, the 12th uh, uh, apostle to take. And it says this, that <clears throat> the, that it says to take the place of this ministry of, of apostleship in service. That's the first thing of the order of business that they did. You know what? God cares about leadership in his church. And he cares about those that serve and you stepping up to the plate and uh, being obedient, and and a lot of times uh, pastors, they don't, in churches, they don't see it as their primary calling to equip, that's, I see that as my primary calling, so I know a little bit more on the prophetic side, but that's my primary calling, and you know, I just thought about this, I heard this statistic about in American, the American church uh, today, the majority of the pastors are between in their 50s and 60s, I don't know if you knew that, yeah, there's some young ones out there, but the majority are in their 50s and 60s, and in, within seven to ten years, they're going to be in their seventies, and some in their eighties. And uh, you know, how many know when you pass the baton in a meter race? How many know that is the most important moment? Isn't that right? I don't know if you know the men's uh, uh, four x four uh, sprint relay team. They're no stranger to failure. They have in a, num- a number of times they uh, had a debacle passing the baton and dropping the baton. And or doing it too soon, and they usually would tape up. I don't know what it is twenty-five or thirty feet. Where once the runner comes, they, you know, they have to pick up speed to meet them. And in that moment, they got to pass the baton. Otherwise, they could be disqualified. Uh, drop it, and you know what? How many know that Jesus is serious about the baton being passed in His church? And so, it, it behooves all of us. It behooves you to discover your gift. Because you might have a leadership gift on you to help with the church. In five, eight, or ten years, you'll be a trustee in this building. Uh, you'll, you'll be leading in certain capacities. You don't even know that your kids might have a worship calling on them. They're going to be, you know, playing the drums or leading in the keys and worshiping. Or help them with the children and youth. And you have no idea that passion that's inside them. But unless you give them opportunity, they won't know. So going back to our fundamental uh, we, we kind of ended off last week. The Bible commands us to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And we kind of left off on that. You know, nobody argues that uh, the Bible talks about that we shouldn't love one another. Isn't that right? The Bible talks about, you know, we are committed that we should pursue love. And uh, uh, these are things that are commands in the, a new script, in, in the New Testament. And how many know that loving one another can be hard at times? Yes, it can. I know about myself. I mean, there are times I know it's few and far, but I'm unlovable. As my wife, probably more than. <laughs> and and, and so, so, but, you know, love's not controversial in the church. We know, well, even though at times people are unlovable, we still love, right? Are you still with me? It's demands are very intimidating at time, and people can abuse that, and they can manipulate that. So too, when it comes to spiritual gifts, they can be intimidating. So what we do is it's like, I don't understand it or whatever, you know, there's some fringe groups and I don't want to be associated with that, so we just throw the baby out with the bathwater and we just talk about other things. And we, we just, those parts of the Bible, the pages are still stuck together by the goal. Come on, somebody. But everything else is underlined. But when it comes to that, we just, are you with me this morning? Say amen. And so... <clears throat> Uh, we know that all spiritual gifts are potentially dangerous, if I could say it that way. And um, there's some that even that are less controversial. And then there's those that have taken what I call the the prophetic and uh, through false teachers and deceptive prophets and and uh, say and do things that uh, uh, are not uh, are not scriptural. But handling spiritual gifts is like handling dynamite. How I many you know dynamite is explosive? Actually, in the Greek, the word dunamis uh, is the word for power. (laughs) That means gifts. And so that power. And the Holy Spirit is saying that the gifts of the Spirit can be explosively loving. But when used wrongly from the flesh and from the soul, they are explosively destructive. So it's tempting to not use them at all, to just kind of avoid those subjects. We just, you know, that, well, praise the Lord, that was then, this is now, and so we just... We leave that alone. You know what? I want everything that God has for me in this church, and I don't want to exclude anything. Amen? And so I hope you know if you've been here long enough that Pastor Mike, he just, you know, I can't jump on every bandwagon. Come on, people. Amen? You can, and you can follow that and run with that, and I'll say, amen, go ahead, but I have to stay steady. I got, I got to leave. I can't, you know, get off and be, I got to stay steady, preach the word, preach the truth. Amen? And You can be real passionate about certain subjects in the Bible, and I'm all for it. Go for that. But I'm not going to steer the church, and all, I'm going to stay steady focused on Jesus. Amen. Just thought I'd throw that out to you. Amen. <clears throat> so uh, the early Christians felt uh, there was damaging experiences of the churches, and that's why Paul said this. He said, watch this. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. That's in the Bible. Do not quench the Spirit. Do you know what quench means? You ever have a fireplace, throw water on it? Shh, we don't understand it, so let's just throw water on it. Do not despise prophecies. All this is in the Bible. talks in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Thessalonians 5. So we are commanded, in a sense, if I could say it this way, we are commanded to handle dangerous things. They are commands, not quenching the spirit, amen? Not forbidden, uh, the grace and the... Uh, the Private prayer language of, of tongues to pray over people and believe that that's still for today. Actually, Pentecost Sunday, and uh, my wife and I will, will, have, will be down here in the front and praying for those who'd like to receive that grace, that private prayer language in your life, because I believe it's for all people. I don't believe it has ended when the last apostle died. Amen? Still for today. I'm filled with the Spirit. 800 million people across the globe are filled with the Spirit. Not better than anybody, but I will do this. I use this example. When I was in the Marine Corps, every time after you pick up rank or whatever, after a period of time, and those in the military know, they issue you certain uh, armaments and things. You know, you have a flak jacket, you got a helmet, and you, know, you get your canteen and whatever, and, and then they issue you a rifle. And then you become an NCO, they give you a sidearm. And some guys were like, I don't want to carry that sidearm because it's too much weight. Listen, I took everything they gave me because you never know when you might need it. Amen? So I look at the gifts of the Spirit, bring it on, Lord, I'll take them all. I don't want to have, you know what, I don't mind that miracles thing, I don't mind that faith thing, but that tongues thing, I don't. you know what, I don't know about. I'll take everything that the Lord has. Amen? Because if it's, God's given it, it's got to be good, even though you may not understand it, and culturally, it may be something. Anyhow, let me get off of that. So, uh, prophecy, let me just, just delve into just prophecy, read some things. It means prediction, discourse, emanating from divine inspiration, declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving, admonishing the wicked, or by comforting the afflicted, revealing things hidden, or revealing things hidden, such as by foretelling future events. I think of a, an illustration, actually just read this in the scripture in John 11, um, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, Okay? And what a profound, after three or four days, this guy dead, and he raises him from the dead. It spread like wildfire. And so, so what did they want to do, the religious leaders? They wanted to kill Lazarus. <laughs> just because we don't like it. Yo, you're alive. You're a testimony. We don't like the So They wanted to kill him. And so they were all in a tizzy. And then it says this in John 11. It says, then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, he spoke up and he said this, do you know nothing at all? Or I would just say in, in 2023, You're a bunch of idiots. Don't you get what's going on? Did you read the scripture? This guy's a high priest. And he says, you not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish? He did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied. Wow, it says he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation, not only for the nation, but also for the scattered children of Israel. And so, so, so we hear the mystery. There's the mystery right there. Before Christ even, you know, went to the cross, it was spoken. And so they go, oh, then from then on, they thought, we got to kill this guy. He had a word, actually, a prophetic word as a high priest to know he is supposed to die on behalf of the nation. That's that, that gift of prophecy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, when we talk about the Romans 12 gifts, we're not talking about the office of a prophet. We get that in a moment. Paul encourages everyone to pursue the gift of prophecy. Did you hear that? Every single one. Pursue that you may prophesy. And that ministry or the purpose is to strengthen. Some shout strengthen, encourage, and to comfort the believers. Comfort. That's That's really the focus of when we talk about Prophesying, one who prophesies, they edify the church. And how many know that a one prophetic word over your life can change the course of your destiny? I know people that have had prophetic words 10, 15 years ago, they've written them down and they hang on to those words. They may have been on a cassette tape and they listen to them, and it, it affects their life because why? It was the prophetic mantle of God speaking in that moment that encouraged in. And what a tremendous blessing it was for that individual. And so their secrets of their hearts are laid bare. Revelation 19.10 says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy. So Ephesians 4.11, let me just diverse a little here. We're going to receive communion in a bit. This is the, the, the office gifts of uh, uh, the, the church that Jesus has given. And the Bible says he gave some as apostles some as prophets, those apostles are not added to the original 12, but there's an apostolic calling, a leadership calling that you can grow into as a sent one. The 12 are said, no more of those, but there are apostles throughout the scripture, and if you look at and you read through the scriptures, especially the New Testament, you see numerous apostles sent out to preach. Uh, and some prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, and and those that really don't adhere to this. They kind of chop it all up and says, well, we've got evangelists today and pastors and teachers, but that apostle's a prophet. Who said that? My Bible says it's still there. It's still there. Amen? Hasn't gone away with. So uh, let me just say this about uh, the, how powerful the impact of the prophetic mantle, the office of a prophet now we're talking about. Uh, one commentator in the Bible says this about the office of a prophet, God's ultimate weapon. Is a man or woman has encountered the prophetic anointing. person's anointing with a prophetic ministry uh, speak the word of the Lord in the name of the Lord. They carry weight in the church by virtue of their ethical, moral, and spiritual urgency of their message. Their credentials, their credibility and status as prophetic vessels stem not from birth or by designation but by the power of their inner call and by response of those who hear them. And so you know when you come in the presence of one that has actually been called and anointed for this actual fivefold ministry grace of a prophet, of a prophet. And so I would say this, one of the main callings of a true prophet is, interesting enough, they love to equip the saints. That's their, that they want to equip the saints It isn't, you know, because some people, when they get information and they find out something new, you know what they do? They hold it to themselves. I got secrets. Not going to tell you. And you ask them, it's like peeling skin, you know, it's like, but they just hold it to themselves. The prophetic wants to tell everybody. I want to help you, empower you. Hey, I found this out. It's powerful. How can I bless you? Come on, somebody. That's the grace. And so That's why I feel, especially as a pastor, a prophet in a a pastoral teaching role, that's one of the main focus here. Hey, Ephesians 4, that's my call. I need to equip the saints. God's not going to ask me, uh, how many faces did you paint? How many balloons did you blow up? How many light bulbs did you chain?" Pastor Mike? Did you equip the people? Amen? All right, moving right along. So (laughs) they have a desire and a passion to see people grow in their faith and maturity. Another characteristic mark of a truly prophetic person is the evidence that he or she has stood in the counsel of God. They have faithfully declared what he or she has heard from his mouth. So in contrast now to the gift of prophecy here in Romans 12, which Paul encourages all believers, So, when we talk about this spirit of prophecy, this gift, all believers are to pursue that, but the office of a prophet is only given to a few chosen by God. So God is the one that, that says, I have a grace that anointed you for that. If you have the, the gift of prophecy on your life, and we're going to pray here in a moment for those that sense that and feel that, could it lead into that prophetic mantle? Absolutely, it could, because God made you that way, and, and, and it can grow in that, and that's how it kind of happened in my life. Maybe I could just say it this way. I don't know if it could be helpful. A prophet prophesies. But one who prophesies is not necessarily a prophet. Does that make sense? Okay. So, back to prophecy. Very quickly, some characteristics uh, to explain, just real practical things uh, to maybe just kind of help shape, you know, what is he really talking about? This Romans 12 motivational gift of prophecy, which all believers are per- to pursue. Uh, but those those that it's kind of your bent, that just, you, you just sense you've taking the assessment, she's like, you keep coming back to us. It's like, I really feel stirred in this area, in this area. Uh, I would say this is a person that can motivate people, a person that can inspire people. They may be very expressive. Some may be good talkers, not necessarily truly eloquent, but they, they can capture the hearts of the minds of people. They have the ability to discern the characteristics and in, in motives of others at times, there could be that sense there. The danger is you walk around and go, I know what everybody's thinking. No, you don't. <laughs> but, you know, there could be something where and I have been in situations and knew before it even happened, such and such is going to do this, and they're gonna do, they're gonna walk down and they're gonna act and it happened exactly. Exactly. And in that moment, I'm like, oh dear God, I'm humbled in that situation. So, um, So there's an ability to discern. They are against evil. They can identify evil really easily. They typically have a willingness to be broken by the Holy Spirit, and they want to prompt others to action what they're going through. And so there's a tendency that, you know, they're broken, but they want everybody else to be broken with the same thing that they're going through. Um, So they're they're against evil. Uh, I could say it this way. In other words, their willingness to be an example of humbling themselves, they really are dependent on scriptural truth to validate authority. Bible is the word of God. This is the truth. And so that's 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 inside. They're spirit man or spirit woman. And uh, they, they resist anything that's not founded on scripture. Uh, they have a desire for outward evidence to demonstrate inward conviction in others. So in other words, you could say they're realists. They're a realist. They're people. Uh, they think, hey, kind of the comment would be like, you know what? Talk is cheap. Just don't tell me about your faith. I want to see your faith. That, that, that's that edge there. It's a little bit, can be a little bit edgy. And, and so they're, they're, they're realists. Uh, they're, they're concerned about people's sins in their life. They're also concerned about the sin in their life. But they're concerned about it. Now, not in a way of condemning, but they're just like broken for the fact when they see people in sin and they see that sin is crushing them. It's it's just devastating them, and they, what are they? They want to see them free. They want to see freedom to come in their life. They want them to see the recognize the truth of God's word and freedom in their life. And and so so with that, they're eager to correct people, <laughs> which can come across as judgmental or harsh. And one of the words I was told as a, a young man growing up in ministry gifts. And in the prophetic was you need to learn tact, Pastor Mike. So I looked up tact, and I'm going to read tact to you. For you prophetic, you know, people, acute sensitivity to what is proper and appropriate in dealing with others. Acute sensitivity. Why? Because you're like a bull in a china cabinet at times, and you're going to be like, "This is the word of the Lord." Yes, it is. But when we season that thing with a little salt. You know, my mom used to give me medicine, and I hated the medicine. And then you had to take like aspirin tablets, and then your stomach would burn. And you know, so she would mix it with like fruit juice, or she would crush it up and something tasty to get that down. Come on, somebody, amen. So, so you know why the ability to speak or act without offending that takes that takes training. It really, it really does. You you have to you have to you know because. Anyhow, I'll get into more in a moment. So those um, uh, with the gift of prophecy can be negative at times. Some of the negatives, and I'm just going to share this, uh, some things in my life I've seen and then, and just an obs- observation because uh, I understand these well. Uh, they are inspired to motivate people into action. They love to give practical steps to help people take that action. Uh, they love preaching to crowds, speaking to crowds. And the bigger the crowd, the more energized they get because they don't look at it as like, wow, this is great. They look at it as it's impact. We can impact people. More people can get saved. I'm going hear what I'm saying. More people's lives can be touched. You know, years ago, I felt the Lord uh, uh, gave and deposited in the Spirit for Harvest, Church of the Harvest, that we would reach 2 million souls for Jesus Christ. I've never forgotten that. Now, I don't know, in the next 20 years, you know, I'm getting up there in years, but when I'm gone in this church, what it does, but, but I still believe for 2 million souls that harvest will reach 2 million souls. You know, now as a church, we're probably close to, I don't know exactly, but all the crusades we're involved with and all the money that has gone overseas and, and all the outreach, you know, 10,000 people have come to Christ. Maybe even more because of this church. Think about that. It didn't exist, it but it exists, and I just think God has uh, millions more to come into the kingdom of God. So, so they they like that; they're energized by that. Some of the some of the negatives, and these are just to help practical. Uh, sometimes they can come across intimidating to people because they're, they're straightforward thinking. Uh, they, uh, a prophetic person, can have a tendency to be very rigid and kind of, you know, like we're not compromising. You could say it, they borderline. Sometimes they can be legalistic. And didn't hear any amens after that, but I'm just going to say we can become real legalistic in things, harsh. Uh, <clears throat> they can, and here's the thing, they fall into depression easily. Why? Because not only they can be hard on other people, they're hard on themselves. Like, oh, oh, man. And so at times they feel they're like, You know, a roaring lion, and then Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you, and they run and hide in a cave. They're harder on themselves. Is this helping anybody? Those that are prophetic know what I'm talking about. Uh, They can fall into, sadly, depression easily. Uh, They can come across, uh, at times, pessimistic, project a negative outlook on life. Someone once said, legalism comes from fear. Holiness comes from love. And what's helped me through the years is reading and studying and growing in the love of God. Because <clears throat> how many you know you know, you, you pour your life into a message and you just think, heaven's going to touch earth, and it doesn't happen in your mind? That can yeah, For years, I struggled with that. After I would preach, you know, we would li- have services in the living room, and then we would go to the tech school, and I'd come home, you know, so depressed. All I needed was somebody to speak a word that it was at least okay. And i asked my wife, and she said, no, oh, it was good. I'm like, tell me more. And <clears throat> But it's not about me. I've learned to come to a place It's not about me. It's about what God does in the hearts of people. I just need to be faithful. So I've come to a place that just, you know what? I don't know, message maybe was a bomb, but God's moving. God's moving in the hearts of people right now even. He's stirring. He's stirring people in spite of me, my weakness. I'm just clay pot. Amen? So some of them, they they, they really can be hard on themselves. <clears throat> they see the negatives, and they can discern the problems. For years, I used to say, oh, I see bad things. <laughs> you know, if someone's fooling around, climbing a tree, don't do that, whatever. I, everything could be negative. And my wife is like, ah, you're negative. You're negative. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? You know, it's like I won't even ride the carnival rides. You know what? That I uh, have you Googled uh, carnival rides that come unhinged. You know, it's like so. Then my daughter, then Mariah, gave me a book or whatever about 101 things that can kill you or whatever. Like that's not what I need to be reading. But it's like what? How to survive? Uh, you know, killer bee attack. You know, and anyhow. <laughs> So, got to get out of that. I see, you know, prophetic people need to resist being an emotional moocher. Let me explain. They can be a spiritual vampire. You know what I mean by that? Uh, they tend to suck positivity out of you. They can, they, I'm just, these are some of the negativities, please. It's not everyone acts like this, that, but, but you can, you know, bleed people dry emotionally. Always something sad. You know what I feel a little bit? Yeah, but you got to watch out. You never know. <laughs> pessimistic. They can be that way in conversations, relationship. You know, oh, she seems like a great gal. He's like a great, great guy. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Let's believe the best. Amen. I'm almost done. Are you still with me this morning? And so what's helped me is I had to retrain my thinking and that pessimism. Still, it still, it creeps up on me. If you don't believe me, just ask my wife. At times, I just can still be pessimistic. But I read a book years ago by James Allen. It's a classic. It's called As a Man Thinketh. It's a very small book. Actually, you can get it free PDF. It helps you change your thinking, balance that. Um, The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. And so we really are how we think. And everything, are you still with me this morning? Everything in life, if it wakes up and it's it's bad, it's negative. Oh, oh, man, you know, they're coming down to the... The border, and then we're surrounded now by Canada, now North Koreans, you know, China, you know, Taiwan. You wake up every day, you're going to be full of anxiety. Amen? But if you can trust and say, I'm going to trust the Lord, and greater is He that is in me, and God is still moving in the midst of all of that chaos, pouring out His Spirit, saving people, delivering people, healing people. I don't have my head in the sand. Like I'm saying, I'm more towards that bent. But I have, to, I have to focus on what God is doing. Some of the quotes that James Allen said, he says, you will become as small as your controlling desire, as great as your dominant aspiration. Hmm. Circumstances do not make the man or the woman, they reveal them. Good thoughts bear good fruit. Bad thoughts bear bad fruit. Stand with me if you would, please. Prophetic people can struggle with being people orientated, and, uh, you know, and as a pastor, I've always wondered, it's like, I'm not the guy that hugs and shakes everybody's hands, but some people, when they ask, oh, Pastor Mike, he's the most outgoing guy, and on the disc scale, I'm a CDDC, I am an introvert. <laughs> I'm an introvert, so it's so easy for me, when I'm done here, to sit all by myself and lick my wounds. No, just sit. You know? <laughs> and, and and there are people here, I mean, to the last end, they are talking and hugging and loving and shaking people's hands, and I love that. I was like, Lord, why didn't you make me a high eye personality? You know, why? Because I, like, I made you the way you are. And certain sheep will hear that voice because they're tuned in to that frequency, and they need to hear it. So I rest in that. And so we're so thankful for those that reach out and love. And and I've, I've had to step out and just be be that. And I'm at ease with it. I'm at ease with it. And it, it's a, it, I see it as a blessing, especially getting to know new people and families and, and what God is doing in and through their life. We love that. We love that. Let me just conclude with this. I think it's the last slide here. So how do I grow? How do I grow in this gift of prophecy? It's an amazing verse there in Hebrews 5. But solid food is for the spiritually mature, those whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. You gotta practice, you gotta step out in faith. Let me just say this harvest is the place where you can grow, you can step out. And there were times I would try to, you know, thus saith the Lord, and be demonstrative, and maybe I needed a staff or one of the you know twelve stones of Israel vest you know and you know what now I just say does this speak to you? I mean is the Lord is, is this resonating with you or not? Because here's the thing with the prophetic, and I don't see this today in the body of Christ. The prophets are to speak two or three, and others to judge. Ooh, the other prophets say, wait a minute, what was spoken over a person, and you talk to that person after, and there's things said. Did that resonate with you? Absolutely not. No, that was out left field. I never had. That should be judged. I don't. I don't mean that mean. Pull back my hand. But that should be judged. We, because why? It wounds people. You know, it's like what? I'm, no. You know, I'm not a runaround. I'm not a floozy. You know, whatever. What? Where did you? They just. They're prophesying out of their soul. Ezekiel thirteen talks about that. And Lord said, "I am against that." They just look and try to manipulate outward appearances. How? 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 No, that's not the spirit of God. The spirit of God knows exactly. What's going on in your life? Amen? Amen. Here's what I want to do. Two things. We're going to receive communion, but I want to, with every head bowed, if you would, this morning, this is the most important part of the service right here. It's the presentation of the gospel, Jesus Christ. You're here and you say, Mike, I do not have this assurance of salvation. I do not know, God forbid, if I was to die today, that I'd go to heaven. I need need God in my life. And if you feel this tug, and the Spirit of God is speaking to you this morning, which I believe He is, if you would just take that step of faith, you may have questions. That's okay. But when we take a step of faith in an atmosphere like this, God will meet you at your point of need. He will reveal Himself to you. He will forgive you of your sin. He will cleanse the weight of sin off your life. He will give you the assurance of salvation that you are truly a son or a daughter of of his. But you must confess and take that step of faith. If you say, Pastor, I want to do that. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to to receive the Lord now. Let's pray together as I lead you in a sinner's prayer. Say to me, say, Jesus, by faith, I believe you died on the cross 2,000 years ago my sin Jesus I'm a sinner come into my life save me fill me with your Holy Spirit I believe you died on that cross so today I surrender my life to you and I will serve you all the days of my life thank you for saving me Jesus